Amen. Amen. Thanks, Beth. Morning, all. How are we doing? I'll say it again. Morning, all. Oh, we've got you. You're awake now. Good. Um, so those who don't know, if you're new to church, don't know who I am, I'm Phil, part of the staff team here. And one of the things I do is look after discipleship, amongst other things. And uh, we've got some exciting news. We're going to restart our discipleship program. Uh, I think it's the first Wednesday in March. So if you feel like you've not uh, been discipled well or you're new to faith and you've always struggled just, um, just with some basics or just in your walk with Jesus, uh, then we encourage you to join with us. We, we typically take about 13 weeks uh, for the program, uh, but it's not kind of cast in stone. But uh, come and join with us and uh, it'll be on Wednesdays here and there'll be details um, in the coastline weekly I nearly said newsletter and I'd be sacked if I said it right anyway good so we it's my privilege this morning to continue our 40 days of reset uh, series uh, living a grace-paced life in a burnt-out culture and that's kind of the challenge how do we then live a grace-paced life in a world that crushes in on us that is constantly driving us for more, more, more. And we've given a number of solutions over the last few weeks, and we're going to get into that again today. Um, uh, but let's start with this word reset, because for me, reset means quite a lot. Now, those who know my technical abilities now will be surprised to hear uh, me say that I used to be vaguely technical in a previous job. First, uh, about 15 years of my career, I was a service engineer for a major IT company, uh, American IT company. And my job was to go around with my bag of tools uh, to fix clients, customers, you say clients in those days, uh, customers, sort of hardware, software, uh, printers, tape drives. And, and, and what I found myself doing a lot of the time was sorting out problems where the machine had gone out of alignment with how we, the manufacturers, uh, wanted them to work, particularly on mechanical things like printers and tape dries. You find yourself a lot of time just adjusting the machine back to the manufacturer's setting. So in one sense, realigning things back as they should have been. And I thought, well, that's a wonderful metaphor of what we're trying to do here, isn't it? In these 40 days of reset, we're trying to get to a point where we're challenging how we are, how we think, how we live against the manufacturers, the makers setting, the, the, the design that our creators got for us. And a lot of our problems sometimes is because we've come out of alignment with that truth. We've held our lives up to, uh, to, to what the world pushes in us, what our enemy pushes in on, in on us. And we've come out of alignment and adjustment to that truth. And one of the things that we used to do as service engineers, particularly on sort of high-end printers and big tape drives, is you used to do a thing called preventative maintenance, which was like once a year, you go and visit this machine and you'd readjust it. It's a bit like taking your car in for a service, I guess. And you'd readjust it and realign it back to how it should be set. And the idea was to try and stop the thing going wrong on a future date. So you're doing that adjustment now. So, so, so I think I'm hoping what we're doing in this reset series is just doing that preventative maintenance. Maybe things aren't quite out of whack at the moment where they should be, but I believe the Lord is leading us 
back to the truth so that we are realigned back with the truth. That our whole kind of orientation is around not what the world says, what the lies of the enemy says, but back to the truth of God, what God's word. And if that sounds familiar to you, uh, that's kind of the message of John Wimber right at the beginning of the, uh, the Vineyard Movement, wasn't it? Saying, you know, if our practice is out of line with the truth, then we don't kind of question the truth, we question our practice. And I'm hoping that's what we're doing in many areas of our life. And we, on this series, we've done a number of things. So, so we've, if you notice, the weeks we've gone through have all begun with re. Uh, we've done re uh, rethink. John did rethink right at the beginning. That was just picking up on that lovely verse from Romans 12, where, where Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I quite like J.B. Phillips's uh, paraphrase on that. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within. So, the need to have our thinking brought back to the truth rather than, again, the lies and deceit of our enemy. And then Sarah last week uh, talked about reduce, about how we should get rid of the distractions, get rid of the noise, the clutter, and focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. The, 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 the absolute focus, laser focus on our lives needs to be on the glory of Jesus and on the praise of Jesus and on the, on the commands of Jesus and bringing them to reality in our lives. And last we'll be going on next week to talk about, um, about relate to how we, uh, you know, how we need to have a, a good relationship with Father and with each other. But this week I'm talking about Relax. So this is my RE, relax is today's subject. And maybe the uh, interpretation of relax isn't what you think it's going to be this morning. And if you have been tracking with uh, us, uh, we've been, we're leaning into uh, the teaching of Andy Murray's brother, David, the uh, uh, book of Reset. And if you've been tracking with us, um, he talks a lot about uh, Sabbath and about retreat. And I'm not trying to knuckle that, but I think we've kind of covered a lot of that. So I'm kind of veering away a little bit, if you uh, have already read, read the uh, chapter this morning. Um, I'm veering away a little bit from that, a slightly different place, I guess. Well, I'm not trying to knock the importance of you know, rest and retreat and spending time alone with Jesus. That's all really important. But I just feel we've covered it in a number of places. Instead, I wanted to challenge us about how do we get to a place where we know God's grace in times of trouble? How do we get to a place when, when disasters come in, it doesn't wreck our peace? How do we get to a place where we become more relaxed with the trials and troubles of this life? Because as Jesus promised the promised out to us in this life you will have troubles we don't preach it very often but it's true but I want us to get to a place where we feel more comfortable with that when you know the the, the things of this world tug at our coat and and, and give us you know those concerns and um, and the distractions that we have in life and how they knock us off our face sometimes and I want us to be in a place where coming back to the truth of God's word how do we realign, reset ourselves 
back to the truth of what we should do when those trials and tribulations and troubles come. And to help us in that, I just want to um, take you to three anchor verses, really, uh, from God's Word. Uh, Two from the New Testament, one from the Old Testament. So if you've got a Bible in front of you, uh, start to look at Psalm 46, Philippians 4, and Matthew 11. All really familiar passages, and hopefully by the magic of TV, It'll come up on the uh, screen behind me if you're watching at home. Hopefully the verses will come up in front of you. Now, again, if you're new to us uh, and you haven't got a Bible here, have a look in the row in front of you, um, in the the backs of the chairs there. You might find there's a Bible there. Uh, Don't grab somebody's if it belongs to them, but hopefully people have brought spare ones along. And they are for you. So if you genuinely don't have a Bible at home and you want to take one on, then with our blessing, please feel free to use that Bible this morning and then take it home and read it if, you, uh, if you'd like to use it. Okay, so hopefully that's got you to um, Psalm 46. And, and I thought, well, how do I describe these, Lord, these verses? They're kind of like blessings, but they're really commands that give a blessing. So that's kind of what I would perhaps call them this morning. Psalm 4610, you'll see uh, this as we read it. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Long reading, here we go. Be still and know that I am God. There you go, that's it. Be still and know that I am God. I'll read the rest of the verse. I will be honoured by every nation. I will be honoured throughout the world. And then flip over if you've got your electronic thumb or physical thumb in Philippians 4. Again, hugely uh, perhaps famous verses if you've been around church for a while. Often read, but uh, not often understood sometimes. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise that is. Philippians 4. Right, and then over to... Matthew 11 now. Again, the words of uh, command, but this time straight from Jesus himself. So these are precious words when they're Jesus' direct words. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. I'm not going to do much teaching on this, but I want to use this as a summary right at the very end. In one sense, speak these promises over you. But we'll read it now. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest. You'll be relaxed for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Challenging words. My yoke is easy and my burden is light is light. So let's come back to that first command with a promise. That verse uh, from Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. And I would say that we've misunderstood this verse for years and years. 
I'm not trying to knock the lovely John Mark Comer. We've uh, uh, done a lot of his teaching, and, and it's really helped us to think about um, our walk with the Lord in different ways, particularly around silence and solitude, okay? And uh, we've, we've focused in on that and uh, tried certain practices to help us in those times of quiet and personal reflection with the Lord. And, and John Mark made a big thing, didn't he, of, of, of that importance of that silence and solitude. And, and that's in Scripture all over the place, right? But it isn't here. This is the kind of key thing about this verse. This is not one of those verses. This is not encouraging God's people to be silent in that sense of the John Mark Comer sense. In fact, if you look at the context of this famous verse, it comes in the, the song of, Kor, of the sons of Korah who were singing truth over God's people. They're reminding God's people of the truth. They're reminding them of that need to reset, to reorientate themselves around the truth of who they are in God. It starts off saying, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And they go on to say, let's just remind ourselves of who's with us. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And it's in the context of that, that again in this song, and you've got to bear in mind it's a song being sung, a song of worship being sung by the Lord's people, that God speaks and God declares truth into the life of his people. That's in the song here. And it says, God says, be still and know that I am God. In the context of that trouble and reminding of who, whose you are as well as who you are, be still and know that I am God. And that, if we go back to the original language, the original Hebrew language in which it was written, that word be still isn't stop moving around. It isn't keep quiet. It really means cease. It means stop. It means um, let it go, really, it, it kind of talks, the, the language in it kind of talks about almost like uh, be slack, be super relaxed about things, almost to be complacent. I mean, that's kind of the, the sort of, of the language that's beneath the word, to, to be sort of almost negligent of concern about things, to be still, to, to stop your striving, to stop your battling, to stop your fighting. Be still, and as a result, you'll know that I'm God. As you stop struggling and striving, as you get to a place where you become, you know, quite blasé about your worries and concerns because of your faith, you'll discover that I'm God. That, that no is a, is a, is a verb, verb meaning to almost like... You know, to come across, to, to identify, to, to suddenly realize that I am God. I'm uh, reading a book at the moment that my dear friend Lance uh, got me for my birthday a long time ago, and I haven't read it. Uh, so I started reading it over Christmas. Uh, it's, I recommend it. It's R.T. Kendall for an audience of one. And uh, R.T. in his book basically says that we need to live our lives for an audience of one. That, that's why we're here. Nothing else counts. Nothing else matters. We are here to please him and him alone. Amen. Uh, 
And when we do that, we don't get the right to say how things should work out. We don't get the, the, the opportunity to say, this is how I want the world to be. We, or even whether to, 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 to accept that perhaps how we want things isn't how it's going to work out. Uh, and he asks a very, in this chapter, um, he talk, one of the chapters he talks about, it, we have to know that God knows. We have to know that God knows. When, when we're in a situation where we're, you know, a particular trouble or trial is in our lives and, and we're kind of gnawing away at us, and you, you know that feeling, I'm sure, we have to be comfortable that God knows to, to get our heads around and our hearts around and our lives around that God knows what's going on. God knows and understands what's happening to us. And he cares and he loves and he supports and he comforts and he fights for us, as God's word says. But we have to be in a place where we, we've got to know, we've got to grip it that God knows. And he asked an interesting question in this book, which I thought was great. He says, how intelligent do you think God is? <laughs> What's God's IQ, is actually what he says. <laughs> Where's God's IQ? Anybody got an answer to that? Well, the psalmist says he understands it all. His, his understanding is beyond limit. And we say it so quick, don't we? We say, well, God's omniscient, if you're going to be big and theological. Omniscient means knowing all things. If you've been to lovely uh, Bible college, you'll know these big words. Um, but we do. We say God knows everything. Well, what does that mean? God knows it all. He, he knows everything. The past, the present, the future. God knows it all. And we have to be comfortable that he knows it all. And yet it's not working out as we want it to work out. Because we're living for an audience of one. And we're living for his glory. And for his honor. And for his pleasure. And for his will be done. Not our will be done. And you have to recognize that God also knows what you don't know. <laughs> That's hard sometimes. So God knows what you don't know. He knows how it's going to work out. Hard, isn't it? Facing a situation saying, come on, God, this, this needs to be sorted out in my way. Well, what happens if it isn't? What happens if it never gets resolved the way that you want it to get resolved? You still going to worship? You still going to honor him? Habakkuk says, though the fig tree does not bud, no fruit in the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the sheep are cut off from the fold and no cattle are in the, in the stalls, yet I will exalt you, Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Doesn't that like God saved him very much? The Lord is my strength, he says. The Lord is my strength. That's number one. Let's go on to that second um, verse now from New Testament, Philippians uh, chapter four. And again, famous words, but let me read them back. And I just want to, I felt the Lord telling me, you know, just be a good chef today. Get out of the way of the ingredients, okay? And that's what you say about good chefs, you know. Bake with good ingredients or, or cook with good ingredients. Just get out of the way of them. So I'm hoping these precious words are speaking into your life today. I pray that they will. Uh, and Philippians 4, 6 says this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends, which means literally which, which overrides, which 
comes over. I nearly said trumps, but you can't say trumps anymore. as has a different uh, connotation. But you, know, you understand the trump game, right? Um, that's probably another connotation. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the overrides all human understanding, all human intellect. That peace which trumps that, which over, overreaches that, overarches that understanding, will, note, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Again, a command with a conditional promise. If you do this, this will happen. I do love it when God gets involved in your preparation for um, speaking. So uh, I uh, go to a prayer, uh, go, I'm on Zoom to a Jan North, I don't know if she's here today, Jan North's prayer meeting, if you ever still on a Friday morning, 7 o'clock, let me give you a plug, 7 a.m. that is for the early risers. And uh, a just lovely bunch of us, God's people together, just praying and just bringing the whole bunch of stuff before the Lord. And uh, Stuart led it this week, so Stuart Chalmers here. I'll give you a plug, Stuart. There we go. You have to wake up now. Uh, <laughs> that serves you right for nodding off. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Um, he was wide awake. He was. He was <laughs> so Stuart uh, says, he said, I've just got this verse in my heart this morning uh, from Philippians 4. And I start giggling. Uh, and he says, I really think this is important verse for coastline at this time, didn't you? Which is, bless your heart. And I'm laughing now. I'm thinking, crumbs, thanks, Lord. Uh, and he read Philippians uh, 4, verse 7. And he sent me something afterwards which I thought was really lovely. So I'm going to quote you, Stuart, here. Um, so uh, if this is wrong, you can blame Stuart for this bit, not me, okay? Right, so don't come to me afterwards. And he said, he said this, this is what he sent me on the text. He said this, because he read this and I thought that was lovely, about the peace. What is this peace? And it says, the peace being promised here is multidimensional. It's complete well-being, physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, with within oneself and with others. Sorry, I stumbled that last bit. Let me read it again. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, within oneself, and with others. Isn't that fantastic? That's the kind of peace I want. <laughs> I hope you do too. That's the kind of peace I want. That's the peace of God's omniscient presence, surely knowing everything and bringing everything under his authority. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, with thanksgiving, thank you, Lord, that I have the privilege of bringing this to you. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And if you do that, notice what happens. That peace that passes all understanding, floods in, will then guard there's, there's a shield of, a, a ring of fire here. will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that really beautiful? That's what's on the table for you today. That's, that's the promise of God. If you, br- if you bring these things to him, that's what he promises as a result of our trusting and bringing our requests and our situations to God. There was a guy called uh, Joseph Scriven who um, was an ancient hymn writer uh, back in the um, 
uh, he was born in 1819 in Dublin, and he was a guy that had loads of troubles in his life. I read up his story. And uh, basically, he, he met this young lady, and they were going to get married, and on the night before they were due to get married, she drowned, very sadly. And, uh, and he was heartbroken from that and decided to move from Dublin to Canada and subsequently met another young lady, and again, they fell in love. And then two weeks before they were due to marry, get married, she died of an illness. Very, very sad. And he was only in his 20s when all this happened. And uh, as a result of this, he changed his life. He, he came to God with it, really, which was lovely to see, and then basically uh, took up a vow of poverty and gave all his, uh, uh, his life, really, just looking after the marginalised and the poor and, and everything else in society. And... A few years passed, and then his mother back in Dublin was, uh, uh, was unwell and on death's door, and he didn't have the funds to return back to Dublin to just be with her on her dying day. So instead, he wrote a poem, which then became a famous hymn. In fact, it became a... Um, we kind of think it was a kid's hymn, but I'm not sure it's really true. But uh, it says this, What a friend we have in Jesus... All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And this is the, the part of it that kind of got me as I was thinking about this. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. <laughs> oh, what needless pain we bear because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Isn't that fantastic? What peace we often forfeit. This is so true of me. I'm sure it's true of you. What peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Amazing words. Amazing words. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving... Present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It gets your, it gets that trump card. I'm going to use, keep using that word, sorry. Um, to, to override your intellect, your knowledge, your grip. Transcends all understanding and sets a guard around your heart. In Christ Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful words. When I was preparing this, I was in tears when I was writing that down. Oh, great. There we go. Did you need that? Rob had this at his wedding. So fantastic. Fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, just finally, I want to just uh, get back to that verse at Matthew 11 as I, as I close. Because I was particularly challenged about this verse because... I thought, oh, that's lovely, it's a twee kind of uh, verse in one sense, but the reality is not true. You know, that's kind of the, the devil, the enemy kind of getting in my ear. Come to, will it come up on the screen, Matthew 11, 28? Yeah, come to me, who, you, all you who are burdened, weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my, this is the thing, take my yoke upon me, upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart that's true and you will find rest for your souls and this is the thing I struggle with my yoke is easy and my burden is light is that my reality my yoke is easy and my burden is light that's what God's word says so maybe the problems at my end not that end right 
if we're misaligned with the truth, we don't change the truth, we, understand, we have to come back to, to how we're aligned to it. That's what God wants, isn't it? For us to know an easy and light burden. We have overcomplicated this. <laughs> we've got to strive, we've got to fight, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. In fact, I like the, some of you may see this, I think we've got on the screen. There's a wonderful paraphrase by Eugene Peterson in the message on these verses. And he says this, and let me just in one sentence just speak this over to you, over you as a promise, really. So are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Stick your hand up. <laughs> Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, to be relaxed as you begin this reset. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Wow, that's the promise. You'll live freely and lightly. Amen. Let me just close with a parable about these. The parable of the keys I wrote in my note. Staff team will smile now. So these are my keys. Okay. Some of my friends will know this. That's why they're giggling. Um, uh, so in case you're anxious about these kind of stories, stories, I found the keys in the end, okay? So these are the keys. Just like to point out there's a happy ending. Anyway, so on Mondays we have a staff meeting and I'm trying to be super green and healthy. I'm now cycling, well, going electric bike cycling, uh, into the office, okay? This has been my routine. And I left in a bit of a hurry because I was disorganised or something and shoved, just shoved the keys in my pocket and cycled off, okay, off, into, uh, off to church, right? And we live in Christchurch, so we came down by the side of the river and then back of the golf course that way. Anyway, Ooh, don't trip that over that, that'd be good. Um, anyway, so I got to church, got off my bike, went to get the keys out of my pocket and they'd gone. And I thought, I'm sure they're in my pocket because I'm checking every pocket now. Checking in my bag, gone. Okay, keys are gone. So someone lets me in. Uh, I'm looking around in my bag for the keys and John and I start talking. I said, John, don't worry. I said, because I've got this tile thing. Have you, have you heard of the Apple tag? This was uh, this out now, but this is the earlier version. This is the tile. Similar kind of thing. It's very clever. It talks to your phone and it kind of says, you know, if the, if the phone, by Bluetooth, so your phone and your keys are parted, it kind of says, this is where you lost company. So I check on the app and it says, oh, you dropped the keys on Eiffel Bridge. I said, don't worry, John. I should go back to Eiffel Bridge and there will be the keys. You know, the Lord will bless and it will be wonderful, right? So John, bless his heart, lent me his car. I drove home. I looked where the thing was. The little, my little sort of positional blob was over exactly where it said the keys were. Can't find them. Gone, right? No keys, no looking in the grass, looking around by the river. And I said, oh, crumbs. Then, of course, you're starting to doubt it. And you're starting to think, well, maybe the app's not that good after all. Maybe it's a bit inaccurate. So I'm looking left and right. And then I'm thinking, well, that's the last time it had this sort of handshake. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe... You know, it doesn't refresh that often, and, and I thought, maybe it's a bit further. Anyway, I ended up getting a barrel bike and basically cycling back the same route to church. No keys. Couldn't find them, okay? Got to church. 
I got to the office and then thought, well, there's nothing for it. I'll have to walk home, right? So I walked the same route again. Again, just looking at all the grass and everywhere. And here's the thing, right? The beautiful thing about going for a walk is you get a chance to pray. So I'm starting now pray and I'm saying, Lord, help me find these keys. And then suddenly... I thought, this is it. This is what I'm talking about on Sunday. (laughs) I'm talking about this on Sunday. What's my response to this situation? What is going to be my my posture, my position? Is this my yoke is easy and my burden is like... I I mean, I have to say, in some of those situations, sometimes I can get real sort of like, I can't believe it, it's ridiculous. Right? And I felt the Lord saying to me, just, you know, trust. Just relax. Just relax about it. I've got it. You, you know that I know. I've got it under control. I'm all right. I'm okay, you know. And here's the thing. I got to the stage. We just sort of walked just not far from my house down by the river. And I got to this, the point in my prayer with the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I know that you know. And you know where these keys are. And if you don't want me to be reunited with them. And I'm already starting to think, well, both car keys are on there. All the house keys are on there. How much is this going to cost to have all of those locks changed? I'm going through all that. And I, I just said, Lord, you know, if, if you want me to lose these keys and it's okay, I am comfortable with this. But I did pray this, and she knows I'm going to say this, my dear wife. I did say, but Lord, for the sake of my wife, because she'll kill me. <laughs> Honestly, what I said, <laughs> for the sake of my wife, I said, please find the keys. <laughs> and I got back to this sort of blob on the map again on the, on the app. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, it's true. <laughs> and, and, and I just, um, I, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't say I had a supernatural encounter or anything like that. But I just, in my kind of eye, there's a, a motor, a caravan motor sales place by for bridge there. And it was kind of not very far from that. And I thought, oh, well, might be worth just asking. Anyway, I walked in there and I said, uh, a bit of an odd request. I said, but nobody's handed any keys in. And he said, hmm, funny you should mention it. <laughs> but what a beautiful... I said, John, I said, I've got to have an illustration for Sunday now. I mean, what an illustration, right, of what, what I'm just talking about. I mean, I know it's trivial in one sense to, to other things that may be going on in my life, but, but it's right, isn't it? I could have been so, so, you know, working out a solution. I just had to say, I know that you know, and I'm comfortable with that outcome. Amen, amen.